Hello and welcome back to the Muscle Engineer Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Otak Andre, and you're listening to episode 48 of the Muscle Engineer Podcast, which will be another CoronaCast special episode featuring my friend and fellow podcaster, Albert Chobay. This one uh, was a lot of fun because we sort of got more personal. We sort of went through our uh, respective issues um, with food you know, I sort of talked about my struggles during this lockdown, some bad habits I uh, acquired, so to speak. And Abel also gave a hilarious story of his lowest point when it comes to emotional eating, I guess, and what kind of crazy behaviors you can do when that urge to just eat comes upon you. So I think it was a really fun episode. It was funny um i hope you will enjoy it as much as i did or we did um, and i hope you're enjoying these uh corona cast episodes in general we think they are quite uh, an easy li- listen right you don't need any background or anything like that it just gives people some insights into our lives it gives us an opportunity to talk about what we are going through perhaps some of you can relate to them Maybe others will just find them funny and, you know, something to play in the background while you're going around uh, and about your day and all that stuff. So we will definitely uh, keep doing them, but also I hope that uh, now that things are starting to take sort of a turn towards better, (laughs) hopefully, and, uh, you know, gyms will open up soon. I also plan on resuming to uh, more... uh, more informative uh, episodes with uh, a variety of guests and uh, a variety of topics. So look forward to that. But with that, uh, I've rambled long enough. So let's get into episode 48 of the Muscle Engineer Podcast with Albert Chaboy. All right, everybody. Quarantine cast number four. Once again, I am here with my regular quarantine cast partner, Sotak Andre. So, uh, Andre, Andrash, how the hell are you today? Today, I am very good. My legs hurt like crazy because I, it's been a silly week. In the, <laughs> I kept having uh, various issues that precluded me from training my legs. So I had to do them today. Like, I don't know if you tried maca powder previously. Yeah, yeah. You did? Yeah, I have. And what did you think about the taste? Because it absolutely just messed up my... My appetite one day, I felt like puking constantly. I pretty much have permanent scars from like one attempt of trying to swallow it on on its own. Yeah, I don't remember the taste. What I do remember is that it just messed up my stomach like crazy. I was bloated as hell and it was just awful. So uh, I switched to pills very quickly. Oh, so there's a pill? Yeah, yeah. You can. I, I don't know if you can get it over there, but it's it's fairly common in like pharmacies and in vitamin, like these health food stores and stuff. Mm. Hm. I might give it a try. So anyway, point is that was one day. The other day we had to do some stuff at the had to help we had to help out the gym owner with some stuff. So I only had like fifty minutes or whatever. I trained my legs today, so that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, what's going on in in, in are you in Macedonia or in Hungary? or I am in Macedonia, so that's what I wanted to ask because um, I thought maybe we could give a bit of a report as to what's going on with us coronavirus-wise. So in Romania, are things more or less like open at this point? Yes, yeah, so the emergency state has been lifted. It's been 
a week and some change since that's happened. Nine days or so. Um, hair saloons, you know, barbershops, that kind of stuff are open. We don't have to write these papers anymore, so the police doesn't stop anyone, you know, to um, to check on you where you're going. So that's very good. Uh, parks have opened, I think. Um, there is talk that restaurants will open in some capacity in on the 1st of June and the rest maybe on the 15th. And we also hope that gyms will fall into the 15th of June category of things which will open up. So that would be great. Gotcha. Yeah, so um, as for me and as for Macedonia, it's it's pretty wild what's going on here. <laughs> so on the one hand, our numbers are really not that bad. So uh, actually, maybe I can just pull them up right now. I will just type in coronavirus numbers. Um, uh, Macedonia. Yeah, so Macedonia, like just under 2,000 cases, um, 20 new cases today. Total deaths are 113, active cases 417. Um, so yeah, those are the numbers. Mm. And like, let's look at Romania for example. It's Seventeen. I'm looking up 17,857. Yeah, 100 and 145 new cases today. Uh, active cases 5,497. So that's just an illustration. Like Romania is about to open up. Uh, Macedonia. At this point, we have a curfew that starts at 7 p.m. every day. Jesus. Uh, now we just be, we have been pleasantly surprised this weekend by a 42-hour complete lockdown <laughs> because we have some whatever celebration and they are afraid that people are going to go Wait, nuts. is that North Macedonia? That's the stats yeah. I'm looking at. Yeah, North Crazy, Macedonia. Crazy, less than 2,000 cases. Yeah, and um, nothing has opened yet. So uh, there are some like open malls that have opened, um, but... Coffee shops, restaurants, all closed. Gyms, needless to say, are all closed. Um, and so it's been, it's, it's just interesting from that regard. And honestly, um, it's been a roller coaster, this whole thing for me emotionally. So, of course, when it all began, I had the initial kind of shock and mild depression and frustration kind of stage. Then, after about two weeks, I accepted the whole thing. I went into a bit of a stoic mindset. I started to occupy my myself at home and I was like okay cool whatever I can live with this and then near the end of April there started to be more talking in the media and from the health minister and people like that that yeah slowly we are going to start opening up things gradually so first we are going to open the less risky things up and over time more and more more things and from like I don't know Pretty, pretty much a month ago, so like April 20 or so, I started to hope hmm. that, okay, this could be the week when we will start seeing some positive things. And then nothing happens. Next week, nothing happens. And then I even, like, I, I don't speak Macedonian very well. I speak it to, like, get by and stuff. But I started to tune into the press conferences that the health minister gave in Macedonia. And I was, like, clinging on every word that I could catch, like, what's happening? And it's like, well, we're still not opening anything, but we will decide on tomorrow's meeting. And then tomorrow I'm tuning in. Okay, we will decide next week. And basically that's how the past month has been going. And I would say that the last two weeks have been the roughest on me because essentially every day I was waiting for the good news to come out. And when you wait for something every day and then it doesn't happen mm. and you spend two weeks like that, then time just stands still. So, and of course, I know that's a stupid way of going about things. Like, I mean, don't wait for the good news. <laughs> Occupy yourself. And if the good news come, great. 
But um, yeah, this past couple of weeks have been rough on me, and especially because I'm starting to see that other countries in the region are opening up. Um, a lot of countries that have not any better numbers than we have, in fact, worse numbers in many cases. Um, so that's made it even more challenging. I've been also kind of cursing my luck, like why the fuck am I in North Macedonia when I'm Hungarian? I could be in Hungary, and Hungary pretty much didn't have any serious lockdown from the get-go. I mean, based, they, they had gyms open the whole time. Some were closed, like, um, I don't know what it was, depend, I think private gyms remained open, and um, so a lot of things, and they never really had a curfew. They could still go out. They were recommended to stay at home, but it was not mandatory, and now basically the entire city, Budapest is opening up, and whatever beaches are opening up. Uh, my One of my very good friends just wrote to me on on Facebook, like, hey, I just went through an eight-hour LSD trip, so whatever the party life is is starting. So um, that made it just all the more challenging. And the only silver lining is that I finally got my fucking squat rack and uh, gym equipment. So <laughs> at least uh, I'm 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 enjoying my workouts a lot more than I have been for the past like three months. Mm-hmm. So, but honestly, um, sorry for the crazy long monologue. <laughs> it's okay. Just um, m- might as well finish it. Um, so I've been waiting for the good news waiting, and um, I've been also watching the numbers. And basically for the past two weeks, it's been like between 15 and maybe 25 ca- new cases a day. And a couple of days ago, it jumped up to 40. Uh, now it's back to like 20 again. But when I saw that 40 number, then I was like, okay, these are never going to open up. Because they had every reason to open up thus far, and they didn't. After this, they're never going to open up. So honestly, if until like 2021, I would not be in a commercial gym again, I will not be shocked. I would be somewhat surprised because that's pretty hardcore, but I would not be shocked. So honestly, at this point, I'm, I gave up all hope and I just completely resonated and at least I will have my home gym set up. But anyway, you go. <laughs> huh, interesting. Could it be something to do with like your healthcare capacity or, you know, because the whole point or justification over here has been that, you know, we've been managing uh, cases so far pretty well and hospitals are doing just fine. So that's the reason why we're, you know, slowly opening things up. So as far as um, at the very, very beginning, they said that they have the capacity to treat 2000 severe cases. Um, and we have like 400 active cases and serious cases is like uh, serious or critical. It says 21. So I... Honestly, I don't really understand. I mean, there must be something that I'm not seeing, um, but um, they are just, I don't know if they are just ultra, ultra conservative or I don't know if they're, they're just like messing with people. Probably not, but but I seriously don't get it. I, I wish I had some insider friend or someone who could like tell me about things because this way is just extremely frustrating to watch. Like, it's like, are they not seeing what I'm seeing? They're seeing some different statistics or what the hell, but... It's just interesting to see, like, still the perspectives of some people. And it just reminds me of the, ver- the very beginning of this uh, period where, you know, the, all the skeptical voices were still out there. It's like, oh, the coronavirus is not going to be anything. I mean, we are so far away from that at this point. Like, I don't think there is probably a fraction of the population who is still questioning all of this. And even those are probably just the hardcore conspiracy theorists. But definitely you will not see one of your respected friends or fitness experts or whoever that you're following posting about it on Facebook that it was just a bogus, it's a hoax. But still, some people have a delusional idea. I just um, met someone that I sometimes hang out with here. 
And I told him like, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they at least open gyms up now because at least for a couple of months, I could enjoy going to the gym before they lock things down again. And he would be like, what, locking things down again? What are you talking about? And it's like, well, have you heard of the second wave? It's like, yeah, 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 but come on. Like this country cannot afford a second wave. I mean, uh, come on, dude. I don't think there is a question that there will be lockdowns again in the future. Like um, when it will be autumn or winter and the flu season will be here and a lot more critical cases. I don't think there is any question that there will be lockdowns again. Um, but it was just like such a baffling thought to him. I could see that it never, ever occurred to him. Um, so in many ways, we are still in the infancy of all of this. Mm. So that's just interesting. I don't know. I, I also don't think that we will go back to that hardcore state where you were not, you are not allowed to leave your home unless you know you have some stuff to do. I just don't think that's oh. going to happen again. Maybe I'm just optimistic. Uh, Who knows? I mean, I don't wish anybody to be right as much as I wish that you're right right now. I mean, <laughs> I would I would absolutely despise the idea of finally opening up and then having to go back to a lockdown. But um, I mean, pro- probably we will be able to handle things much better. But um, I don't know if, if at least when it comes to Macedonia, <laughs> I, I would not be surprised by anything yeah. at, at this point. Yeah, it's weird. But, I don't know. Um, but as far as... Would you have been able at least to leave the country if you wanted to? Like, I'm sure you could get into Hungary, but... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I could... So, first of all, if I wanted to go home now, I could. Um, Not right now. I think the first tickets will be, like, on the 2nd of June or something. But I could go there. But then, um, first of all, I would have to be in a uh, two-week self-isolation. So, that's... Which I could live with, okay. But then um, I'm not sure how I will be how I would be able to come back. And the thing is, I'm kind of wary of traveling at this at this moment. You know, like things can change so quickly. Like all of a sudden, I, I'm trying to come back, and then at the airport, like, hey, as of whatever, 4 p.m. today, people who arrive to the airport have to spend a month in a public quarantine or whatever. <laughs> Probably that's not going to happen, but what if it does, right? Like a lot of things happened, which we never expected. So I, I just, I don't know, traveling is just not something I want to gamble with at this point. Mm. Um, especially like now that I have this home mini gym set up, um, because uh, if if I didn't have that, then probably I would consider anything just to get the fuck out of here. But um, but now that I have this, it's like ah, oh, whatever, I will get by. Yeah. So actually, I I was talking to my mom that you know, if I knew that this would happen back in March, I probably would have moved just home. Like I would have just given up this rent, the apartment I live in, just whatever, move home because it's not that far away. And when you know, I when we finally do know for sure that listen will be able to start work on the 15th of June, then whatever, I would have looked for a new place on like the 10th of June or something like that, because I just spent a fuck ton of money, um, I got fatter, which I guess I will, we will talk about, and pretty much spent like, well, would have spent like three months, hopefully not any longer, by the time we get back to work, just the only upside is I was still able to train and I got a bunch of rest in, you know, I was able to sleep as much as I wanted, which is nice, but I pretty much would have been able to do the same thing at home. I would have been able to pet my dog. I would have probably been leaner because, you know, I would have had, wouldn't have had the issues uh, we were talking about and I would have had a lot more money saved up simply because, you know, I wouldn't have had to pay the rent and also food would have been... <laughs> Uh, less of an issue. Yeah, I, I also think a lot about what would I have done had I known all of this like 
back in December or something. And uh, yeah, it, it's funny. I, I would have made a couple of different decisions, just general life decisions. Um, but probably, honestly, I probably would have stayed here um, because the reason I'm here is because my girlfriend is here, uh, to be frank. Like, um, I, I'm in a serious relationship with her at this point. We Actually, we, we are going to have our three-year anniversary in exactly a week. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, probably I will make a super corny Facebook post about it or something. And <laughs> I will I will wait for the likes all day, and it's going to be su- super cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the reason I'm here. So I, I wouldn't have gone home. Probably I just would have started to gather my home gym equipment earlier. Mm-hmm. And then probably I would have felt like... Uh, like a, the evil genius, right? When the lockdown starts and everybody freaks out and I have my home gym. Uh, I can't even imagine how those people felt when they saw all their meathead friends freaking out on, you know, on social media and posting their like bullshit push-ups from home and stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think at this point I'm fed up. Like, it's stupid. Like, even in barbershops, supposedly you were, you know, you were supposed to wear a mask. And <laughs> thankfully the guy who cut my hair, he was like, please take off your mask. I mean, I can't. I mean, imagine, like, he would have, you know, when, when he cuts your hair on the side, like, he would have to, you know, remove the mask on one side, just cut the hair, then put it back, then it's just stupid. And I've heard that supposedly when we do open the gyms up, masks will not be mandatory, which is like, thank God, like, who the fuck trains? And I know I've had this discussion with James Krieger on Facebook, and a couple of people wrote back that, you know... The point of mask is not to enhance your workouts. The point of mask is to make to ensure that people are safe. So it, if it will affect your workouts, that whatever, it's a small price to pay for the good of society. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, they are right, of of course. And and the thing is, like, I would gladly wear a mask. I would wear a freaking like motorcycle helmet <laughs> if I if I could go to a gym. Um, and I was thinking about how I would do it, and it's actually probably I would like keep it on in general, and then if I do say a leg press, then during the set I would like you know duck my nose and my mouth out, like let me breathe. People will get the fuck away from me while I'm doing this. I don't want to breathe on you. Um, but while I would do a chest press, probably I would leave it on, you know, like whatever I can manage that. And while I'm not actually doing sets, I would have it on. But yeah, like you, you cannot do a hard set of leg press with a mask on. Yeah, but like the thing is about this attitude is that um, I, I recommended that episode to you. Uh, where was it? Dave Rubin had an episode with a guy, a guy who ran or had the Dirty Jobs uh, show on Discovery. And it was like, this safety first attitude is so stupid because we never put safety first. Safety comes like third. Because you think about it, if you put safety first, you would never ever build an airplane like if you would put safety first you would never drive a car because hey people die in car accidents safety first you cannot risk driving a car like <laughs> no yeah. like and these are things that interfere with the the um uh well the with the activities of the of the whatever enterprises you're trying to open up i mean yes i understand that you can technically you know still train in a mask and you can technically cut people's hair with a mask like but Come on now, I still think, and shit, I mean, this is the one thing that seems to be some legit concern about the actual death counts, that toll, whatever, the number of dead people who actually die from COVID versus, you know, some related stuff that sort of, you know, COVID put the final dent in a, in a coffin that was already pretty much pre-made, so to speak, or 
maybe someone like died from like unrelated cause, but they also had COVID, so they were also diagnosed as COVID uh, victim and so to speak or stuff like that. So there is some concerns there. Plus, we also don't know how many people are asymptomatic, which is always funny when people talk or say stuff like, you know, well, you are not afraid for yourself, but you should also think about all the people you might hurt because there is this huge number of asymptomatic people. And I'm like, okay, but that just means that the virus is even less dangerous than we thought so because if there's a huge number of asymptomatic people, that means that there's a huge number of people who are dealing with it just fine. Like, by definition, that means that it's not as bad. Yeah, I mean... The thing is, like, as far as the nature of the virus goes and how dangerous it is and stuff, I, I'm not even trying to comment anymore because it's. Um, I, I think I just, I just don't know. <laughs> that's that's the frank truth, and um, I think in this recent video that Lane Norton did, which I really enjoyed, uh, it was kind of the old Lane Norton that I really liked listening to, kind of calm, thoughtful, modest, and that's what he said. Basically, we just don't know what the right decision is. We don't know if it's the right decision to open up gyms. We don't know if it's the right decision to take these super strict measures. And um, the analogy he used that was, I think it was, it's essentially like trying to build a plane while flying with it at the same time. Mm. Basically, that's what we are doing with this virus. So I think in a year's time, two years time, when we will have a, like so much more data point, we can analyze all the statistics, what the virus actually did, how it developed. And we can look back at a lot of things and say, you know what? That was a stupid idea. People were suffering in vain. These and these people lost their jobs in vain. Or maybe we can look back and it's like, you know what? Like, we should have just locked down everything for three months, crashed the economy a bit. You know, a couple of people would have died from starvation. But then, I don't know, 100 million people wouldn't have died, which ended up happening or, or something. So I, both options could be, you know, valid, I think, in the future. And I just don't know. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. We don't know what I do know or what we do know for sure is that what's not helping your immunity and your health status in general is staying inside, not going outside, not getting sunshine, becoming vitamin deficient, vitamin D deficient, um, not getting any physical activity in, getting fatter, um, pretty much just fucking up your whole sleep and wake cycle. Like, which has pretty much been the summary of the past two months for most people. <laughs> unless, yeah. unless you're some, like, I was, th- I was talking with someone yesterday and I mentioned this to her that there are pretty much two types of people. You know, I, if I am stressed out, I eat and I get fatter. If I let my body just do whatever it wanted, I would get fat. There are the o- other extremes or, you know, the other category of people who, if they are stressed out, they lose their appetite. If they are stressed out, their bodies just vanish, like they become skinny. And um, both of those are pretty much bad for your health. Like becoming skinny might not be, you know, as bad on the outside, but still like becoming super underweight is also not good for your immunity and your and all that. So um, damned if you do, damned if you don't, like at this point, I think, Weighing everything, we do know about the upsides of exercising. We do know about the upsides of, you know, being active and all that for your like, mental health and physical health and all that. And of course, I am biased. I mentioned this to you as well in private. Like, if I had a different job and I would still be making just a fine living, and my biggest hurdle would be not being able to go out for beers with friends, 
I'm sure I would have a different opinion on the whole thing. Like, yes, I'm biased because I'm literally watching my savings just dip day by day because I don't get, uh, I don't have a job and I, I can't work, which sucks for me, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's kind of hard for me to say, yeah, yeah, whatever, just let gyms stay open for like another three months just to be safe. I'm like, sweet, so whatever I worked to save in the last two years, I'll just throw out the window in six months because, hey, COVID. Yeah, I think um, I remembered what I wanted to say before is that podcast episode you recommended to me with Sam Harris and also a couple of good videos that I've seen from thoughtful people like Dave McConey, whom I had on the podcast a few times, is like there is this idea that people have that and even us had comments like this uh, on our last video like like guys you're whining so much like people are dying out there and you're right um but the argument that you cannot put a price on human life mm. it's like even if you can save one person yeah. then the whole lockdown and stuff is worth it and that is stupid fact factually not true and anybody who says that is just have haven't thought this entire thing true like imagine if you're driving a car, and I would tell you, like, from now on, you're not driving a car, you're taking public transport, or maybe we'll take tr public transport away as well, because that's even that can be unsafe. Yeah, that's like, just sometimes that's just everyone has to walk from now on. Everyone has to walk. Like, you will have to wake up in the morning, like, three, four hours earlier <laughs> to get there. But you know how many, like, car accidents we will spare? Yep. Like, like, millions or hundreds of thousands of people are going to survive each year. Like, are you crazy? You're saving lives. Like, don't tell me it's not worth it. Of course, you would, like go mad if, if I suggested that like are you crazy like are you gonna ruin my life from now on so um you know like we put a price on human life all the time for our convenience for economic economic aspects and stuff like that so um we absolutely have to put a price on human life and that's what basically countries are juggling at this time like Macedonia apparently puts a really really high price on human life mm -hmm. other countries put a lower price on it but um yeah, yeah it's, uh, and, and just keep that in mind and i don't don't want us to to become that stupid guy who you know compares like covid with car accidents like i understand the point of you know exponential growth and i understand why in march we did what we did because but i i think at this point we have a pretty good idea of what's going on how infectious it is what the mortality rate can be expected like it's not like pretty much in march we didn't know like we didn't know is this gonna be something that could kill a hundred million people? Is this something that could kill a hundred thousand people? Like, what's going on? Hey guys, I interrupt the episode to remind you that as much as I love making these episodes, they do not pay the bills coaching does for me. So if you'd be interested in working with me in a one-to-one -one fashion, I also offer online coaching for a limited number of clients interested in uh, body composition optimization so if you'd like to lose fat build muscle or any combination of the two then uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me via an email my email address is always in the description of these episodes and we can chat further from there i am also available for 30 or 60 minute consultations for people who are not quite ready to invest into a full-on coach just yet thank you and let's continue the episode yeah, so um, otherwise, um, how is your, like, you said that you gained a bit of fat uh, during this. Um, 
So how is your fitness going in a general sense? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know when we recorded that episode about Stephanie. I was thinking about this, like, man, this is going to sound so hypocritical. Uh, but here we go. Like, I think going off of the comments again, like people mistook it as me criticizing Stephanie per se. Like I was not criticizing that she ate junk food or I was not criticizing people who do so in quarantine. I was just commenting on the objective. I was making an objective analysis analysis on the situation. Like even going off or, you know, like just the situation I was in, like maybe two weeks ago or whatever. I had two weeks where I ate like an idiot, which means that um, I mentioned this in the last episode that it's so easy to create a bad habit. And pretty much I did the same thing. Like I had a couple of good days and then whatever, I got some impulse toward the evening because that's when it happens usually. And I was like, eh, well, you know, I'll just scroll through Food Panda. I will not order anything. I'll just, you know, see the menu. And of course, <laughs> this never happens. That's like, you know, going to uh, to uh, taking your book in the bed and you'll be like, I will study in bed. I will not fall asleep. I'll just study in bed. And of course, 10 minutes later, you're scrolling through Pornhub. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to touch myself. I'm just checking out the videos. A bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm watching it for the plot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wonder what will happen in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, I ended up like ordering pizzas and stuff. And I have this stupid habit of, I simply cannot decide on one item like if i buy one thing i have to buy two things because whatever and this is also the thing that what they do is you have a minimum amount you have to buy so for example it's 50 ron usually so that's like 10 11 euros and most pizzas are like six or seven so you know you can't really just buy one i mean you could but then you have to pay the whatever the minimum amount is like let's say um just example sake let's say the minimum amount was six euros or 10 euros, I mean, and the pizza is six. You could just get one pizza and pay 10 euros, but no, your mind says, I'm not just going to throw away four euros. No, I'm going to buy two and I'm going to pay 12, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so that's what I did. And mm-hmm. of course, after I ate those, I was like, huh, I could I could really eat something sweet as well. So I ordered some pancakes or whatever, um, crepes with like chocolate and stuff. So anyway, so I did that. And the second day I was like, Jesus, that was stupid. They usually just lose my appetite on the second day. So, you know, I did that and I was eating well for like three days. And then weekend rolled around and there was UFC, like three UFC events in like eight days. And I was like, you know, the UFC has been out for like two months. Now it would be a really good time, you know, just, just to celebrate a bit. Like I'm sure every UFC fan does this. Like I think I think now I could really, you know, order something nice just to celebrate that UFC is finally back. And, you know, three events, eight days. Of course, that means three pizza nights, right? <laughs> yeah, so stuff like that. And uh, I mentioned this to you in private. Like, fat deposition is weird. Like, if it happened, like, instantaneously, I think many people would, or I think a high number of people would make better choices because let's say you, whatever, you ate in a 3,000-calorie surplus on the previous day. If you instantly woke up with that, pound of fat around your waist or something like that maybe you couldn't notice it but if you're really really you know you know your body you probably could notice it hey i'm a little bit blurrier around my midsection but it doesn't really happen like that and which that's what shocked me like i was looking shit i mean i was looking better because uh, i was a bit depleted and you know I was, I was carved up and all that filled out and then just one day i woke up and i was like 
what in the fuck happened? <laughs> my scale weight just shot up like four kilos. Yeah. So I was I was eighty six something at my lowest, and then I was in the eighty sevens, and then one day I was like ninety one. I was like, what? And I just looked at myself. I couldn't believe how bad I looked. <laughs> and uh, you know that's when I left you those messages. Like, what the hell? Like, yeah. I'm really curious about the time frames of you know fat, because of course. It, Fat deposition doesn't instantly happen like the time that food went into your mouth. This whole process of, you know, the esterification of fat and the incorporation in, in actual fat tissue and whatever, like, it takes some time and it's weird. So anyway, long story short, I did that. So I had like two weeks, probably gained like two, two and a half, two and a half kilos of like pure body fat, which if you start to, you know, count out the actual calories it would take it's a high number but believe me i probably did that <laughs> i can put away a very high um amount of calories in a surprisingly short amount of time so anyways going back to stephanie like i'm not shit i'm not judging her i'm not judging anyone who gets fat during these circumstances i mean i'm probably more health conscious than the majority of people i might not be as health conscious as some um extreme you know extremely dedicated people and i'm fully aware of that and i'm trying to work on that uh, a bit but shit i mean even i managed i mean or let's not use myself as an example even my colleague who we've seen photos of even he got a bit fatter now of course for him a bit fatter maybe means like 12 to per 13 14 percent body fat at the at the worst you know and for him, it's going to be like three weeks and he's down back to 10% body fat. <laughs> so that's no big deal for him. But shit, that just illustrates the point. Like, even he got a bit fatter when he didn't move as much, he didn't train as hard, and he relaxed his uh, food choices a bit. So so anyway, so that was my, my whole experience. If you want to interject and uh, give some thoughts. Yeah, it's... Um... It's, it's interesting because, uh, first of all, I mean, my situation is like not very exciting at all. Basically, I had a had like two weeks, maybe even three where I did fuck all in terms of training. Because um, then at that point, my heart was really set on getting my gym equipment finally. So I was like, okay, you know what? I will have good workouts. I am fucking sick of these push-ups and like weird squat variations. So you know what? Fuck off. I'm just going to not do anything. And my nutrition also went to a bit shit. Uh, also gained maybe like two kilos, which now I lost in two, three weeks. So I'm back to like 84 kilos or something. Mm, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. So um, in that regard, like nothing crazy exciting. But um, I almost feel like, like I think a lot about like what is the end point of our like nutritional fitness journey? Like what is that stage where you can really say that, you know what, I mastered this. And I'm in control. I'm I'm, I'm fully a master mm -hmm. of my own body. My impulses are under my control, and and I keep changing and evolving what that philosophy is for me. Because I mean, obviously, the the obvious answer would be like, you know what? I got to ten percent body fat or twelve percent, and I'm maintaining this for the rest of my life. I never deviate. I have the perfect relationship with food. I see it as as a fuel for my body. I enjoy eating, but whatever. But I derive my pleasure from other things. I reframed how I see the world. But, you know, is that realistic for everyone? Like, I do think that everybody should master their nutrition and their fitness who is interested in this. But eating is, like, having a 5,000-calorie day sometimes is fun. Like, I'm like, mm -hmm. let's not kid ourselves. Like, it's, it's just fun to sit down with a lot of food, watch something cool, go ham on that food, and... 
you know what, like, go to bed satisfied, like, you know what, I will gain some fat from this, like, feast, but that was, that was a cool experience, so, like, maybe, maybe for some people that can be a part of their regular lives, like, for all eternity, but they will develop strategies for managing that, so, like, one, one idea that I had, and I ran this by you a couple of days ago, that in general, of course, I'm I'm kind of against the whole idea of like having a huge like cheat meal like one day and then cutting for two days or three days and then having a cheat meal again. But you know, if for someone that allows to maintain a leaner physique and to enjoy life and whatever, be healthy, be physically aesthetic and athletic, and also have a fun time doing that, then you know, why not? I mean, yeah, is that the healthiest relationship you can have with food? Maybe not, but what is a healthy relationship with food? Like, look around you. Like, who who has a, a healthy relationship with food? Like, what, one out of a hundred, one out of a thousand will have that kind of relationship where, yeah, it's like I enjoy food, but not too much. I mainly view it as fuel. Great. So, you know, like, I, I, I'm becoming more open to these approaches, but the other comment that I wanted to say on that is, you know, to some extent, I think that final stage of mastering your fitness is not necessarily in never deviating, like never engaging in behaviors like that, but to just catching yourself early. So like when you see that, okay, this this is now, I did it once, did it twice, now it's becoming a habit, then quickly interject and, and just return to normal, which like at first when someone is like first, quote unquote, falling off the wagon like this, that's incredibly challenging. Like we talked about how difficult it is to gather momentum with a diet, for example, for the first like one or two weeks. Like for me, it always takes like two weeks to get into the rhythm. Like I will frequently abandon a diet in the first week. But um, like once you're in that momentum, you're in it. And kind of the same thing goes with slipping into a bad habit, like ordering food from Food Panda. Like you do it a couple of times, but then like stopping it and starting up with like a healthy eating plan or whatever, that's like really hard because all, all those habits are just screaming in your face like, hey, don't you want to order food? Like mm. it's UFC, like why not have some high calorie stuff? Um, so I think just developing that skill of, okay, I did the best stuff, did the best stuff, but I'm stopping it whenever I want. I think that's that's like the biggest skill to master perhaps. So that just kind of mm. reminded me of that. Yeah, and, so I think... Yeah. Again, I I really want to sort of end this with like Stephanie and the whole. Maybe like going back in like hindsight, maybe I was too harsh on her. I don't know, or for sure like I was not expressing myself the best because obviously we had some comments where I was criticized. Now maybe those comments you know were from people who didn't really listen too carefully. Or but anyway, so my problem again was not with her. My problem is not with anyone who overeats during this time period. Like shit, I mean. I understand. My problem was about, or my issue was with the attitude or sort of the way that she went about dealing with the consequences. Like, because I, I would recommend exactly what you said previously. Like, hey, you did this. That's fine. You're a human. Let's observe and let's, you know, try to find a rational explanation why you did that. And then let's try to formulate a plan as to how you're going to avoid um repeating that in the future if that's you what you want because again not everyone wants hey for some people that's perfectly fine if that's you that's great but for me it's not okay like this was not my plan like i did not set out in march like hey you know what i'm going to do in these months i'm just going to get fatter and i'm also going to spend a fuck ton of money on delivery food that's exactly what i'm going to do like, <laughs> i did not set out to do that like that's yeah. the frustrating part again if someone does that deliberately like and, and i think that just goes overall 
I think that's the worst part about this whole thing. Like, it's one thing when you do it deliberately, when you decide, hey, it's whatever, let's pre-plan a fun evening. And it's a different issue when you do it sort of impulsively. I don't want to call it binge eating because I don't like that term thrown around so easily. Like, it's like, it's like having some sad moments and instantly diagnosed, what's the word, diagnosticizing, <laughs> putting a diagnostic, diagnosing, putting a diagnostic on it, instantly calling yourself clinically depressed. Like there is, you know, there is a huge amount of leeway in those. Like there is a lot of green area between those two endpoints. Like there is a big difference between clinically depressed and having some sad moments or having some shitty mood swings or stuff like that. So anyway, so that's the worst feeling, you know, that, and Jordan Peterson talks about this inner voice that would, you know, sort of this sort of consciousness that speaks to us. Because I'm sure everyone has had this, like when you, I know I've had this many times, like when I go to the grocery store to buy ice cream, there's this voice saying in my head, you know, you probably shouldn't do that. You know, you have a goal and that ice cream really doesn't fit into that plan you set out for yourself this morning. It's, that's going to set you back like three days of dieting. You really are not that hungry. Like you're going to regret this tomorrow and you do it anyway. And the next day you wake up and exactly what that voice told you has happened. <laughs> you feel bad because you fucked up yeah. three days worth of dieting. You, you're bloated. You feel like shit. You gained some amount of body fat. And the worst of all, this voice, your consciousness told you this in advance and you didn't listen to it. So now you're, now you're also stupid because <laughs> if at least you didn't yeah. know this, then, hey, you've had this, you would have had this excuse. I didn't know what was the right answer or what was the right choice to make. Shit. I guess I was just ignorant. But, but you do it. You do know it. And you still do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the perfect drug to give people would not be the, the what was it, NZT, the Limitless mm. movie, the what Bradley Cooper was taking. The perfect drug would be something that would allow you to connect with the feelings of your future self and, and see how you're going to feel about something that you're doing now in two days, especially when it's something that you know rationally that you will regret. But just if in that moment when you're buying that ice cream, you could like live through the feelings of yourself the next morning, then you would not buy that ice cream. But the thing is like, you know rationally, but then that, that you will regret it, but that adrenaline rush and the salivating in your mouth and everything that you're feeling at that moment just overwhelms anything that your rational brain is telling you. And it's, um, once again, that, that is a skill, of course, that you develop, but also these urges are so strong that you can also unlearn these things, at least temporarily, very quickly. Like, you, it, it's, I, I slipped into these moments before when I really thought that I forego them for good. Um, but I also wanted to comment on the Stephanie Buttermore episode that we did, because I also thought about that a lot afterwards. And, and one thing that I wish I mentioned in that, I kind of did that at the end of my photo shoot diet, when I was like eating pretty little relative to what my needs and a lot of activity and super lean and everything. And when I then came across her case study, and I was super judgmental, and had very little sympathy. Um, I was thinking about that a lot. And <laughs> the reality is, like, when you're going through something like a photo shoot diet, and you're you get to a very low body fat percentage and you push through a lot of discomfort, in a way you're losing sympathy towards other people. Like in a way you're feeling like mm. you're better than others because basically you're demonstrating a level of self-discipline and self-restraint 
that at that moment in time, very few people in the world are going through, like diet-wise at least. Like you look around, everybody around you is, is fat. Even the lean people, lean people are fatter than you because you're so lean. And you're like, well, I can do this. Why can't everybody do this? It's like, and it even um, compromised my ability to to be compassionate with, with the clients that I had. So I have like two guys that I have in mind that I was uh, coaching at that time. And, you know, whatever, they were 20-something percent body fat, tried to be a bit leaner, and they were telling me about their, their food struggles and how tough the diet is for them. And and to me, it, it I had a very hard time sympathizing with that. It's like, dude, like, you have no idea how easy you have it. It's like, you're not hungry, you just fucking eat a salad, you eat a huge bowl of strawberries and cottage cheese, because your metabolism is like all firing on all cylinders, because you're still mm-hmm. fat. You can you can perfectly well diet on those like you don't have to struggle at all. You can sleep well at night. Like, don't tell me that you have it hard, but that's of course stupid. Um, and by the way, before everybody calls out, I know that twenty something percent is not fat, but relative to how I saw it at that time, at seven percent. So um, I, I lost the ability to be compassionate with someone who is going through a, that specific challenge of like letting go of old behaviors, developing new ones letting go of the cravings and like all of those things. Like those were things that I was not struggling with at that time because I was way past that. Um, I was having like real physical challenges at that point. But it's almost like, I feel like for a coach, it's it's almost necessary to go through some relapses every once in a while, which of course sounds like a huge, I don't want anybody to take this as justification. It's like, hey, go ahead and binge every once in a while because then you will be able to sympathize with your clients. But like it's, Coaching in many ways is like being a people's person. It, it's, it's being able to resonate with what they're feeling and giving them real solutions to those problems. But you, you, will, you will have a very hard time doing that if you haven't experienced anything like that in the last, whatever, two mm. years or something. It looks good on your resume, like, hey, I've been 10% for the past two years. But at the same time, like, it's you lose that people skills kind of ability yeah. thing. So. Yeah, I have like yeah. 10, 10 things to to say. Um, one is that I absolutely, like I see this all the time, like without exaggeration, that's most fitness people. Like <laughs> I know Lyle, Lyle McDonald is probably the single biggest uh, uh, the loudest voice about this, but he's, he's right. Like most fitness people are people who either have been physically active or their lives have been, you know, some sort of athletes going up, growing up, or are people who have been skinny all their lives and now they put on some muscle and, you know, now they are lean and somewhat muscular. Like, I don't have much respect for someone who's been 8% all their lives. I have an insane amount of respect for someone who's been 40% for, like, 18 years and then they managed to get down to 15%. Like, if you look like, you know, people like, what's his name? Obese to Beast, for example. Now, I am not really following him on social media, but I remember remember him from, like, YouTube. That guy lost an insane amount of weight. Guys like Carter Good, for example, again, someone who's been very overweight. Like, compared to them, I haven't been so fat because I sort of caught myself early. I was, you know, I don't know. My, I haven't been that heavy. I was heavy for my age because I was heavy at, like, 14 years old, but I wasn't, like, 120 kilos, <laughs> you know. I was maybe... 
85 kilos at like 14 because and that doesn't sound so bad oh 84 kilos or 85 because not that well at 14 it kind of is yeah. <laughs> but yeah like you know stuff like that but i wasn't like clinically obese or whatever uh, apparently i learned this that morbidly obese is not really an accepted term anymore so i wasn't class 3 obese <laughs> like um but anyway so that's just one one thing that yeah most people are fitness people are just like that and i see this every single day like at the gym like my colleague in some sense like i like to think that i managed to you know sway him a bit but i see the same thing with him like when he's in his contest prep he's much more um judgmental of others like even with me like he's like well what's up with you like you're still fat like and whereas right now yeah he doesn't really care yeah, whatever yeah whatever <laughs> you know he's much more relaxed and he's much more understanding with others whereas at the end of his contest of course there's the issue of low body fat levels and you know energy is pretty low and stuff like that but i think it really like if you see yourself like as this machine and stuff like that or if you see yourself in the mirror and all ripped and stuff it's very hard to then become this you know empathetic and understanding and really warm human being who understands that for someone who wants to drop from like 35% body fat to like 20 for them might be relatively speaking just as hard except their heart is different from your heart yeah yeah and it's um it there's a temptation to that uh for me for example to show myself in a more positive light at all times because you know i have this urge like okay this YouTube channel and whatever, it's no longer just a hobby. Like I'm coaching people in some ways, it's, it's a business. So I have to kind of promote myself. And, you know, like what better way to promote myself is just just show people that I'm always perfect. But um, but but it's, it's counterproductive. And luckily, I like all I have to do is just be honest because I'm very far from perfect and I'm very far from being like very gifted in the things that I want to be good at, which is staying lean and, and things like that. I, I'm not disadvantaged from a physical point of view, but I am disadvantaged in the fact that I have the people who reach out to me who are struggling with binges and feel like they, they, their relationship with food is just at a place where they are not in control of things. Like I, I have an emotional relationship with food in that when I have a bad night of sleep and I wake up, I like the first thing is like, you know what? Hmm. I, I don't give a fuck. Like I, I, I want, I, I'm going to binge today. Like I, I do have that thought many times when I wake up first thing in the morning and then over time, I kind of trained myself, like I would train a, a puppy, like to not do that. And I have my little routine that I do, which is nothing special. I just go like take a shower, brush my teeth. I brush my tongue with the toothbrush, with the to toothpaste. And kind of that just makes me kind of disgusted by the, the idea of food. So that wins me like another half an hour. Then I will have my little things that I'm doing. And by the time I look up, okay, it's been two hours. I still didn't binge cool, I can do this, you know? So it's, I have a hard time with these things, but th I think that's the only help to be like really helpful to people. It's, um, yeah, and like you said, when, if someone has been like super ripped and, and skinny all their lives, it's, I admire them. I, I wish I was like them, but it's kind of like Ivar, the boneless in Vikings, if you know who that is, who admires, you know, the good fighters that are physically strong, um, but he might be smarter than them, but, he wish he was like them. So I'm kind of like that with all these people who have been 8% all their lives, but I don't necessarily respect them in the same way as someone like mm, a Carter. Yeah. 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 And, um, again, this is all about small wins. Like, um, as far as my end point, like, um, you know, it's really, 
I, I wanted to say that I would I would consider it a very very big win if I could decide at any moment like um hey even if I do order I will only order one item I will stop when I feel I'm feeling full and stuff like that but that really doesn't work because for that to work you would have to have sort of physiological drivers to be in rain so to speak. you would have to have physiological drives and moments like that are not driven by physiological needs usually psychological like for myself for example right now the main like the causes of these episodes have not been hunger and low body fat levels have been stress unpredictability loneliness because <laughs> i was i was alone and anyway and that's been like those are the causes and the fact that you're you're feeling like you're about to burst out it's not going to stop you like i've had i was saying this to, to someone uh there's this girl, I think I sent you the photos, of, she's painting the gym wall, basically. And I was, I was telling this uh, to her that, so I did stuff like, I would I would have eaten like maybe two pizzas with like, you know, cheese and meat and stuff. I was like, I need I need something sweet. And I would order another Nutella pizza. I'm sure you have Nutella and, and like, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, basically yeah. chocolate cream. And of course I had to buy two because that was a minimum amount of order. And what I would do is, I would take out the first, eat like two slices, become disgusted with myself, and just throw away this stuff. <laughs> so basically, I, I took and I, at least one good thing I did was I took it down to the trash immediately. Because uh, listen, if I leave it here, <laughs> and in the morning I might change my change my mind. <laughs> I might wake up the next day, you know, with some uh, space in my stomach and rethink that decision. <laughs> so you know. I haven't fallen solo to take out trash from the or food from the trash. Like <laughs> that would be a new low for me to go down to the trash. I have done that before. You have? I have. I have. <laughs> I, one specific example that I remember uh, that was so you know the the famous picture that I have when I hit my kind of low point. Um, that's like a couple of months. Oh, no, no, actually it was after that. So I, I started cutting at that point, and then I relapsed uh, I still remember like I, I lost like a couple of kilos then my parents visited me here I spent some time with them went out to a restaurant ate too much food so then I was like what the hell uh, I destroyed everything so today day I'm gonna go ham so I just bought everything in the store uh, that I would want to eat and I bought like peanut butter like all my favorite binge mm. foods and um, it was actually funny because like my parents were like going up to the hotel room and it's like, oh, I'll just go into the store a bit, uh, but see you, see you guys tomorrow, you know? And then I would like go to the store, look around if they are seeing me. <laughs> these, these nice yeah, memories. That's, that's another, sorry to interrupt you, just don't forget what you, you were about to say, but that's another thing. Like I do the same thing as well. Like sometimes when I want to buy something, I look around, is there anyone who knows me? Cause yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I literally had people tell me this, like I bought a chocolate croissant one day and the next day, someone told me at the gym, it wasn't even them. Like, someone saw me buy that, and that person told this guy, and the, this guy said this to me at the gym. Like, while someone saw you yesterday at the store, you were buying that stuff. What's going <laughs> on with that? And I'm like, um, you said I bought it, right? They're like, yeah, which means I paid it, right? Yeah, so what's your problem? Like, I didn't steal it. <laughs> and basically their whole point was you know you're a fitness coach like a trainer you're, you're not supposed to eat stuff like that and that's another thing that kills me like but anyway continue yeah, yeah. so yeah i went home and then i i started like eating everything and of course like you know peanut butter and stuff like that are like 
great binge food, but they're also like super like kind of feel like you want to like suffocate after a certain point, but it's just like so good that you want to keep eating it. So I think I probably at least I worked myself through one jar of peanut butter. <laughs> but then but then I started to be because like the thing is my favorite binge foods are usually not like uh, ice cream and chocolate and stuff, but they are like the super nutritious but very high calorie like healthy foods. Huh. Um, those are like so but you can also like those are a like, crazy calorie dense though so you can do a lot of damage and then at one point i probably put down like 7000 calories in an hour or something <laughs> yeah i did the same <laughs> so i started to be like really sick with, with the whole thing i was like you know what it, it was it was enough like let's take the ice cream down the rest of the whatever i had at home and i threw them out <laughs> And then I went back and started playing some Xbox and whatever. And then, of course, like my stomach like emptied out a little bit. You know, I, I, I gained, gained back some space in my stomach. So I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go down and get that stuff out. So, so yeah, I got, got, got the stuff out from the trash bin. Had to dig a little bit. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I went back and, and finished it. And uh, yeah, I also had that moment of like, wow, like this is really the low point, right? Like, the, I I just hit rock bottom with this food thing. Like, I'm fishing things out of a trash bin. Like, <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So what I did. <laughs> that's what I said. That I took it down to the trash because I also did. Uh, I don't know if it's common practice in Macedonia, but what we do here is, you know, you have your trash, which you want to take down the next time you leave your apartment, but you just put it in front of the door because, you know, it's yeah. there, so you don't forget it. So that's, I did, like, I, I did that. So I put it in the evening in front of the door, and the next morning I woke up and I opened the door. Oh, that's still here. <laughs> Let me just eat it. <laughs> so I did that, but I I knew it that if I, if I take it down, that, Come on, like I have some pride. Like I'm not going to, you know, like it's like some homeless guy just start digging in the trash for like food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after this experience, I learned that if I want to get rid of food, then I really have to get rid of it. So I will like open the thing and I will like just throw it in the trash bin like that. So if it's whatever cereals, I will like open up the package and like just empty the whole thing out into the trash bin because then I definitely won't do that or like yeah. <laughs> I will like open the jar of peanut butter and I will like piss into it or something which I have done in the past by the way Jesus um, Christ I don't know if I should feel better about it, what you're telling me like at least you know we have a fair amount of homeless people who are you know like digging around like I always have this in my head listen if I'm not going to like shit on the Nutella because then I'm at least I'm not going to eat it I just take it down and someone's day is gonna be made much better because because of that so that's one relief I, I had that hey I I threw away that food so to speak um, and that's also something I, I try to do like because I have this again this comes like going back on a serious note like most of these issues stem from childhood like I know from myself like our our entire family but not my mom because basically that's my family like my mom she has the, i mentioned this to you in private like she has the same escape route so to speak or you know um source of pleasure or some hedonic relief from like the uh the miseries of life is that uh, for like 10 minutes she can enjoy some some chocolate or something like that and she can feel some amount of uh, uh, endorphins or whatever 
and so yeah i think that's uh, that's something i i also got so so also another thing that many parents do is that they force their children to finish their plate so I, I sort of this, I got this idea stuck in my head that if I bought something, it's not fair for me to throw it away because I paid money for it. And, you know, there's kids in Africa who don't have anything <laughs> to eat. So if I bought like three liters of ice cream, I have to finish it. But now what I try to do is, listen, if you're full, it is what it is. You already paid for it. Let's just take it down to the trash because, you know, someone is going to <laughs> be here in the next couple of hours looking for something to eat from some leftovers and they'll put it to much better use quite literally <laughs> than you would yeah yeah it's um yeah it, pe people people don't realize how bad i had it with my binges it's um when i hear about other people's binges and they talk about like eating an extra thousand calories it's like you know i was literally i was like i threw down two thousand calorie portions like it was a bite i i could i, I don't know what my record was but probably like 12,000 calories in like yeah. one or two hours or yeah. something it's um and um it, it was quite pathological and honestly at one point I remember specifically having this thought one time like the only reason I I'm not making myself throw up is because I know that that would be like 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 a completely new level it's kind of like it's kind of like the person who is doing like drinking on the weekends a lot maybe even doing some recreational drugs like some pills and this and that but the needle shooting heroin like they know that that's like really the next level like whatever i will snort some cocaine and stuff but shooting the needle like wow like i'm really in junkie territory at this point and, and that's kind of how i was with the throwing up like you know I, i'm doing all the bulimic behaviors i will like do crazy amounts of activity the next day and i will like starve myself but like making myself throw up okay that's that's like read the next stuff and the crazy thing is it's like i really had no like childhood history or anything like that with any of this i had you know growing up i had a perfectly healthy relationship with food and everything and i was never like a a very fat kid like me you know like as a kid i was like kind of this cute chubby kid hmm. but like I'm, I'm looking at my pictures it's like nothing wrong with that kid whatsoever as a teenager i was like more more like on the athletic side i was not like muscular because i'm not very genetically gifted in that that regard but i was like athletic i was always doing sports and i ate food because it tasted good but i never ate like so much that i would be like sick of it and i didn't feel guilty if i overate or this and that and really, this whole thing started when I kind of I've got gotten into fitness, and I really just emptied my life out, and I stopped stopped socializing. Mm. I stopped in those like self destructing behaviors, which I think added some color to my life before that. So I didn't go out as much to like party with friends. I, I whatever stopped kind of drinking. I stopped doing all these things, and food became the only thing that I used to like really treat myself so okay that was like porn and whatever to relieve myself but besides that it was like food and then once i realized like oh wow this is like really a powerful tool to like take the edge off then that that became kind of the addictive stuff that i turned to and yeah then it like breaking free from that for me was really like quitting alcohol to some people probably it was a really mm. big struggle yeah and the other side of oh. Um, or the other reason why this sucks is calories aside like if i had like unlimited money like it would be whatever but shit i was also supposed to save money <laughs> during this time period and i don't know how to tell you but delivery food is not cheap like i probably spent in a night what i would spend easily like maybe not quite a week but let's say 
Yeah, three, are expensive. Three or four days. Like, it's not even that bad if you go out and buy it, but if you order it, it's really expensive. You know, this is, again, it's psychology. Like, it's so weird that when you go to a grocery store, sometimes, like, I don't get, like, pears because it's, like, two euros per kilo. And I'm like, Jesus, that's too expensive. Like, two euros. Oh, Jesus, that's too expensive. And then I would, like, buy pizza and stuff for, like, 12 euros and throw it away. And I'm like, are you fucking stupid? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? So, anyway, yeah, and I also mentioned this. Like, I agree, definitely agree with what you said. Um, I mentioned this to you in um, private, I think, that we all sin differently, so to speak. And there is this quote that, you know, don't judge others because they sin differently from you. Like, we all have mechanisms on which to fall upon when times get tough. Like I said, some people simply lose their appetite and they all they do is binge TV and whatever. Others eat, others drink, others gamble, others uh, are sex addicts or whatever. They, um, they I don't know, I don't even know how to put it, um, <laughs> but you, you get what I mean. Like they relieve their fears and worries and the all the negative emotion they have um, in them like by having compulsive sex with strangers basically and yeah. we all sort of or not really that many people tend to think that just because um especially with like food uh, where it becomes sort of apparent like if you really love food it kind of shows like you know if you gamble a lot it you unless you're like really broken you really hit a new low and you're like homeless okay but if you're just you have still a decent amount of money, you're just spending money you could have put to better use on like gambling sucks, but hey, on the outside it doesn't show like if you're drinking and again it, you probably will look like shit if you're really hungover, but you can hide it up to a certain extent. But food, like if you're yeah. really like have issues with like emotionally, it's going to show on your physique and you wear it on your body. Us yeah, yeah exactly, and us you know and that's the issue with like bodybuilding like your body is your sport like other sports don't really have that but um yeah so people who are seen have or commit sins that way so to speak or you know have that exit door are sort of judged more harshly i think in our current society and that's really unfair <laughs> because i don't think that someone who has compulsive sex with women and let's say they are 35 years old or 40 and don't have a family, and they are pretty much alone. But hey, they are—they have a six-pack. I don't think that's any better than someone who has emotionally think issues, and they are maybe twenty-five percent body fat or thirty. Like I'm sure that that person that thinks that they are way better off, and I know examples of that. But objectively speaking, I'm just saying that it's the same stuff, just manifested in a different way. Yeah, yeah, that, that is so true. It's a very cruel thing that. Um you, 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 it's almost like a stigma, like in movies where, you know, we are not going to kill you. We are just going to label you with this thing on your forehead or something. That's so like in the Inglorious Bastards. Exactly. Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. It's, it's kind of like that with this. It's like, okay, you know what? Food is there. Feel free to binge, but you will wear it on your body and everybody know what, everybody will know what you did. Now, of course, you know, who you're surrounded by and also like what you, what you're, normal is will will dictate that so for example here if i was to walk around at 25 percent body fat at all times i would not get, probably people wouldn't even think that there's anything wrong with me because everybody is like that around me but you know on instagram or whatever um you know i i would get stick for that 
um exactly like and especially it's it's especially worse if you work like shit i honestly i had these thoughts in my mind like what am i going to do when the gyms open if i won't of course i, I will lose this fat but uh, i was i was having these thoughts like what happened if the gyms open like tomorrow now we have to show up like that i was thinking this in my lowest moments like that's not a joke by the way like i know many people who probably will judge me like what happened to you like you you, you got fatter what's up with you there's this weird it's really really fucked up in many ways like on one hand again we judge people who are fat but on the other hand like if someone let's say was at 20 percent body fat and they got out of quarantine at like 25 percent, many people would just shrug it off as yeah whatever he was sort of fat before he got fatter whatever but if let's say i uh went into the quarantine at like 12 percent body fat and came out at uh, the end of it at like 18 20 percent <laughs> i'm sure that many many people will judge me like what happened to you you were supposed to be a role model like we tend to forget that fitness people are still people first and foremost they're humans <laughs> and i'm talking about myself but i'm sure many others who are not the genetically lean and if i lose my shit my body just tends to lose body fat instead of or you lose my appetite and you know my body weight goes down instead of going up a category um i mean that's also bad but it's probably not as well i don't know may i might just be biased here i tend to think that people look more favorably to that like yeah he got smaller but hey at least he is lean and whatever you know like if if for example i was thinking this like i maintained all of my muscle mass maybe i even gained some like if if some people went back to the gym and they got over skin, they, were, they would be like, well, whatever, you know, he he didn't really have uh, where to train and it is what it is, that's just what happens. But um, if I got back significantly fatter, but also more muscular, the vast majority of people would not um, congratulate me or compliment me for like my extra gains, so to speak, or the fact that I gained strength. The comments would be preponderantly, you got fatter, what happened? Like, you know? I don't know if yeah. just maybe this is our tendency to observe negative things in people. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and that's why I, um, like Kino Body, for example, on the one hand, of course, I'm envious of him because he is uh, probably made more money than he knows what to do with. And uh, well, from that standpoint, good for him. But at the same time, his entire business model is based on him being like lean and shredded. And he looks amazing, whatever. It's... Um, and on many days, I, I wish I could stay that lean all the time, even though he's not 6%, as, as, as he says, but maybe like 10. But regardless of that, you know, that that's amazing. But, you know, I do want to maintain the right for myself, even while maintaining the, you know, identity of a fitness, whatever, content creator and someone who is authoritative, authoritative that, you know, if I want, I can go up to like 18% body fat and there is nothing wrong with that, I think. Like, if I just don't want to be that strict for a period, I want to enjoy food more, I don't feel like controlling calories. If that's a conscious decision and it's not a compulsive thing that sucks me in, um, then I think that's completely fine. You know, if, or if I want to do like a more aggressive bulking period or this and that, like I want to maintain that option for me and I don't want to lose face in the with my followers because of that. But if he does that... He cannot do that. Yeah, well, that's what happens if your entire business model revolves around your looks. Like, it's the same for women. Have you seen that? Um, <laughs> I posted on my stories. Like, there was this girl who 
pretty much her entire income was from OnlyFans, which is like pretty much she was selling naked pictures. And she was crying because uh, now with the whole lockdown and economy and whatever, people were not paying her anymore. And she was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I can't pay my bills. I'm not good at anything else. Like, <laughs> sorry, yeah. but that was kind of your choice. <laughs> Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. And, and people don't appreciate, like, when you're always lean, they kind of just accept it as the natural thing. Like, yeah, he's, he's, he's in shape. Eventually, you even get accused with just being naturally skinny, you know? Um, and it's like, you motherfucker, you know, like, how disciplined I am? Mm, yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, another one final thing, because probably we should end it soon, but one thing yeah. I really want to touch on is mental health, because it also sort of ties into this... Um, with some of the unfortunate events in our industry, uh, pass- the passing of Luke Sando, um, I don't know what happened. I don't even want to comment on, on the event per se. What I do want to touch on is, this, again, the stigma around it, because I was I was training at the gym. There were three of us, my colleague and another guy and, and me, and I was telling my, to my colleague who obviously follows bodybuilding that, listen, this is what happened. Like Luke Sando, of course, you know him from like the Mr. Olympia. He committed suicide. And the other guy was like, well, he was weak. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> I was like, well, he was, of course, he was mentally weak. Like, why else would you commit suicide? I was like, you're such a fucking idiot. Like, dude, this is one of those situations where the saying that if you have nothing positive, nothing good to say, you should probably just shut the fuck up. It really applies. Because there are many situations where I do think that's silly, but in a situation like that, when someone commits suicide, the husband, the father, the only thing you can say is he was just mentally weak. Like, are you insane? Like, that's Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's what I, that's exactly, I said this to him, like, that's exactly why people like Luke, unfortunately, commit suicide. Because there is a stigma around mental health, especially mental health in, in men. Like, if a man goes to therapy, that's the response. Like, you're just weak. What are you doing? Stop being a little bitch and, and toughen the hell up. Like, men are also people. Men are also humans. Like, we are also we also have emotional issues. It's not just women. And I think you'll notice this. I don't know the statistics. And I do plan on having someone who's an expert on this to, on my podcast to touch on, to, to discuss this. But... I'm sure that emotional eating and binge eating, stuff like that, uh, the prevalence of it has increased, relatively speaking, much more in men in the last 10 years or so than in women. Like, women probably always had this pressure, but I think the pressure on men has risen exponentially in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think... I think girls have been just shaped over many, many, many years to just um, live with a lot of like self-imposed uh, kind of struggle. Like even if like if you just think about it from a physical standpoint, like waxing, <laughs> like oh yeah, how how fucking painful that is, and girls are just like taking that like no nobody's business. Like try just waxing like a, a strip off of your like thighs or something from the top of your thighs, not the back, like at your hamstring area. Then you would like die, dude. And but gr- I said this. I said this to 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 many women like I respect the hell out of you like sometimes I'm lazy to trim my beard or you know <laughs> I just whatever I roll on or sometimes I, I trim my chest for example sometimes I'm lazy let alone like waxing my entire body like good for you like wow I really applaud you like that's amazing yeah yeah exactly it's um so it's something that they're probably just more used to this this constant control of food and uh, yeah, it, it takes a toll on you. And 
I always just find it fascinating. It's just food is like essential to survival. Like if you mess with it, you're directly messing with systems in your brain that are evolved to motivate you in very specific ways. Like your urges to binge, that is a very specifically refined evolutionary mechanism that is there to make you survive and you're constantly trying to suppress that and you're like doing crazy things with like dieting and stuff and dieting to like close to death levels of leanness and then uh, and then we are like all philosophical of like oh this is how we control all of this and whatever it's like there's nothing fucking philosophical about it like you're messing with something that is not meant to be messed with but of course we are crazy and we want to do that and you know you can you can do it of course within reasonable degrees if you're like not trying to be like 6% 6% all the time, which only the lucky, lucky ones can do successfully. But yeah, it, I always just find it fascinating, like how crazy we are that we like come up with hobbies like this that are just like completely unnatural, like completely like anti-life in many ways. Mm. Uh, but that's that's the human condition. Yeah. Again, I was telling this the same thing to this girl at the gym today. Like the craziest thing to me is competitive eating. Like I was telling, we were talking about the difference in like society and another good episode to listen is uh, Sam Harris just released today. Maybe it's about meritocracy. If you check out his podcast, you will find it is the newest one. Uh, really interesting episode. Um, anyway, so we're talking about like, and if the movie Parasite, if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, really, really good movie. Um I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's great. Good for you. Just watch it. It's fantastic. Well, anyway, so we were talking about this and... um and I was saying that what a world we live in when there's like starvation still, and then there's people who like eat an absurd amount of food for fun, and they make a living from like eating like you know ten thousand calories, and then not to mention like um, something that Greg Doucette addressed on his YouTube channel. Like I'm talking about people who actually do it, like competitive eaters actually eat the food, but. What's even worse is these people who pretend to eat. Like Greg Doucette made a video about, I've watched the beginning of it, uh, about people who claim to eat all these foods, probably don't, you know, but they pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they, their whole um, brand pretty much revolves around these cheats um, or they present this fake persona that I have cheats every so often or listen, I do this and and I'm not again. I'm not talking about people who record themselves eating it, like people like Eric the Electric, or which is probably also not healthy. But people who actually do the stuff, it's probably people who just say they do it, and or maybe they do it every once in a while, but claim that they do it with a much higher regularity. Because I mean, shit, I did it once a week or twice per week at the worst, and I got fat as hell, and I was active and I was training. Like, I just don't believe women like. If you see like a fifty kilo woman who claims that she's doing these challenges, she's not. Like, there's no way. And again, just just a crazy, crazy, crazy society. Um, there are so many issues, especially this industry is so fucked up in so many ways. And there are so many positives about it, and it can be life changing in a positive way. But it's also such a uh, so many people unfortunately would be better off just not getting involved in it at all. Like. You, what you said yourself, I'm sure many people gave themselves an eating disorder because of the type of content they were watching and sort of the behaviors that um, they started uh, encouraging because they thought that would be required to get into a certain physical shape. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, just this, um, yeah, probably should, we should wrap up because, um, 
it's uh, an hour and a half already. No way people are going to listen to this. But yeah, this conversation just made me think once again of like why I do the types of videos that I do and um, why it's important to talk about these things because a lot of the things that that you're seeing are like just very gifted people showing their lives that are completely natural to them but are just way unrealistic for many. Like the meals that they're eating, the types of foods that they're getting full on, like all of those things, the cheat meals, like the cheat days, 10,000 calorie challenge. Like that's not a fucking challenge. Exactly. It's, like a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasant cheat meal. It's like, it's, it's something I could do in one meal if I really tried, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, like how to not do the 10,000 calorie challenge every week. Like that's the, that's the real challenge for many people. And it's um, too few people talk talk about those things. So. Yeah, that's why. Um, by the way, don't don't underappreciate the listeners. Like I listen to Joe Rogan podcasts. Like Joe Rogan has the most. Again, another thing. Like, sorry, but like <laughs> on the on on this week's news. Like, so apparently Joe Rogan signed like a hundred million exclusive deal with like Spotify. So what this means for what I gather is that by the end of the year, his podcast will only be, will only be available on Spotify. My oh, first wow. reaction was like, good for you, bravo, yay, yay, Joe. Yeah. You wouldn't believe the amount of people who commented, oh, I don't like that, I prefer YouTube. Why would you do that? Boo, you sold out. Like, people are seriously feeling entitled to Joe's content? Or, you know, they feel like they get to decide what Joe does with his business? Like, I get it if, in a sense, you know, People sort of got him where he is, but there has been like a ton of people that wasn't you as an individual. And even if you contributed some to some small extent, you should be happy for the guy that, you know, he made a positive a deal which pretty much has been has given him a life changing amount of money. Like not like he was poor before, but still a hundred million dollars is probably a welcome addition to anyone's bank account. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like this is what kills me. It's, it's been the same with like Adele. The amount of negativity people like why can't if it doesn't affect you, because it obviously doesn't, like it's not like Joe took the money out of your bank account. Because then I would understand, but it doesn't affect you. It doesn't contribute negatively to your day. Most people already have a Spotify account. It's as far as I know, it's not like you have to pay extra to listen to Joe's podcast. This is just a way for Spotify to make sure that people are tuning in to their uh, to their platform. Yeah. So what's the issue here? Like same with Adele. Like good for her that she lost weight. Why does it matter to you? Oh, because you feel bad now about yourself. You should be inspired to do something. Like. People are crazy, and this is, I think, the final message we should end on. Like, let's just be less judgmental towards others, and let's try to better ourselves and genuinely be happy for others when good things happen to them. Like you mentioned this, uh, you put up a story a couple of weeks ago that if you had, if a friend, I think it was, you can correct me because it was your story, but it was something like, if a friend of yours. Uh, got a good news or something like that would you be happy for them and you said oh, yeah. that a huge number of people said no not a lot but there were a few i appreciate their, their honesty actually yeah but what kind of a person are you like if you truly are someone's friend like why can't you be happy for them like that's not a friend then you're not their friend you're some sort of a acquaintance who's you, you have these hidden intentions of not wishing them well or not wanting them to succeed because that's what you're saying when you say that yeah well i don't yeah, want I, them to 
I can sympathize with those people. Uh, it's true that you're not their friend in the true sense. You're you're basically uh, an energy vampire, as I would call it. Like you, you want to surround yourself with people who make you feel good, and you like them when they make you feel good. But yeah, I mean, it's. But I, I can sympathize with those people because um, I've definitely had periods in my life when, like, for example, now, just an easy example. Like I, I told you, when you had access to your gym. Um, and, and I was like still doing my whatever wall hack squats with a pair of dumbbells. And I was like, you know what, like good, like good for you, seriously, but please don't tell me about it. It's painful to listen mm. to me that like so, someone is having a gym and I'm like killing myself here. Like that's okay. It's, it's not like not, not exactly the same thing, but yeah, but you know, the equivalent would be you wishing that, Hey, I don't have a gym. So motherfucker, you shouldn't have one either. Yeah, of course. So there, there are levels to all of this, um, but I, I, I can understand the seed of that human emotion. I guess. Um, also, I think for for a lot of people, so I don't know. Probably you have those moments as well when you see someone doing much better than you, and then you go like, "Oh well, what am I doing with my life?" Mm. Like those sorts of moments. But it's different when you see like a Joe Rogan signing this one million deal. But if I signed that one million deal or hundred million dollar deal with the SSD podcast, mm. then probably you would have that feeling of like, wow, like that could be me, you know? Like, because his podcast is not that much different than mine. It's not that much bigger, whatever. It's like this could have easily been me. So I think a lot of people have those sorts of emotions with with friends. Probably they are not happy many times. I even saw uh, Jordan Peterson had a Q and A, and then someone commented like, hey, so my problem is is that I'm really resentful when other people have good things happening to them. I cannot be happy for them and I, I just become resentful. So probably the reason that person commented that as a question to Jordan Peterson is because it bothers. I think it was a girl who commented that. Um, so I don't think they're happy that they're feeling that way. It's probably something they suffer more from than anyone else. But anyway, random, random talk. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, let's wrap it up here. People, let us know what you thought of... Uh, or ramble, but I enjoyed it. I think this was a cool episode. Uh, yeah, and um, hopefully it will not come across as two insecure dudes <laughs> talking about their 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 feelings because that was another criticism we received uh, from the last episode. Yeah, I mean, I am insecure. <laughs> I never said that I don't have insecurities, so I, I don't even know why that comment is relevant. Um, I think um, there. There are some people who are not insecure whatsoever, and some of them are amazing. Like I think uh, some of them are have just every everything figured out, and they worked hard on it. But I think most people that have no insecurities are just dumb because they don't understand the world that we are living in. Like if in this world with the challenges that it presents, you don't have any insecurities, like what the hell? Like are you completely ignorant, or what the hell is wrong with you? So yeah, I'm I'm the same. I just don't see how what we present here. Like I would think that someone who's really insecure. We try to present themselves the opposite way. They would try to portray some sort of perfection. That's just my thinking. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, man. Um, so, yeah, we will have your stuff linked in the show notes and mine as well. So, check us out. And with that, uh, thanks, Sandra, for being on. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>